Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Now, I'm excited to get into the message today. I want to start by telling you something because building, 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 buildings, building has been my life. Uh, you know, Sarah and I, we moved into a house in July that we built. And so we have some degree of experience with building. Uh, And on the 23rd of December last year, Sarah and I were at a street party. We just moved in. It's a new estate, so there's a lot of people there. And we wanted to get to know some people. So we're at a street party. And I don't know if you remember. Oh, was it the 24th? It was the 24th. It was a huge thunderstorm. And um, while we were at the party, lightning struck. And it was so loud. I mean, everybody at the party jumped. And they were like, ooh, that felt really close. And we were like, yeah, it did. And then we left the party and we went home and we discovered that our house got hit by lightning. Um, So yes, it was close, very close. It touched our house. And I got home and the the boys were at home and all the lights were out and everything was off. And uh, they were like, ooh, dad, that was so close, that one. They didn't know that the house had been struck at that point. Thank God the thing didn't actually burn down. But, uh, you know, we we went away and spent a couple of weeks on holidays and we came back and I went to turn on my air conditioner and something wasn't working. And I was turning it on. I couldn't figure it out. And then eventually I went up into the roof and I had a look. Sure enough, there we are. The, the, the flu had actually melted at some point. It had arced across and short-circuited our air conditioner. And so that's how we discovered that our house was hit by lightning. And at this time, when we had returned from holidays, everything's shut. Nobody's open. I thought, man, what are we going to do? If I call the insurer, it's going to take a long time. We've got a series of hot days coming up. So I called a friend of mine and I said, hey, what do I do? And he said, what's the model of your aircon? And I, I told him that and he said, look, there's one place that's open, uh, but it's not close. It's down in Curham Downs. We live in Lilydale, so it's a bit of a journey. He said, but if you drive down there, I'll put the new circuit board in for you. I can fix it. Now, it wasn't convenient and it wasn't cheap to buy either, but I was highly motivated because we had a lot of hot days and I need my beauty sleep, everybody. So, so I was like, I better get down there and get it. And I guess my whole point is, when you are truly motivated, you don't let anything stop you, do you? When you've got reason enough to either travel out of your way, even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs you something, but you're motivated enough, you are going to move. And that's what my message is about today. I want to share a message with you guys. What are you going for? So I want to read to you a scripture. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, And we all, say we all. We all. We all. That, that means all of us. Okay, so Paul is writing to the church. This still applies to us today. We all with unveiled face, beholding. The word beholding means to mirror gaze. It means to look intently, to look deeply. And we all beholding to mirror gaze the glory of the Lord, now watch this, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Apostle Paul is saying that Moses looked at the face of God, or looked at God when he went up on the mountain and he carried the glory of God. In fact, his face would shine. It was called the Shekinah glory and his face would glow. And so he had that experience by going up and spending time in God's presence. But God at that point was still somewhat of a mystery. And the Apostle Paul is saying, we can see Jesus Christ. 
We get to look at Him. We get to behold Him. There's no veil. There's nothing hidden. We look at God and as we look deeply, longingly into Jesus, beholding Him, we are transformed by Him. Isn't that beautiful? Let me ask you a question. What holds your gaze? What holds your gaze? I remember when I first met Pastor Sarah, uh, we were out somewhere. She was with some friends and I spied her across the room. She held my gaze. And I remember walking over and I met her and we got into a conversation. And, and as we were talking, she continued to hold my gaze. And I thought, wow, this, she is all right, you know? <laughs> and, and so I was actually going to America for three months and I was leaving 10 days after I met her. And I saw her every single day until I left. And then on the day that I came back, returned from America, I went and saw her. There was something about her that held my gaze. I remember work friends, they said to me, Ben, we've never seen you like this before. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but have you met Sarah? I mean, there's a reason why I feel like this, you know? And, and, and she held my gaze. I remember when we... Uh, we, we decided that we were going to have kids and, you know, little Judah, when he was born, I call him little Judah. Gosh, that's a distant memory. Yeah. He's, he, he's 14 years old. He's bigger than me. And he did say to me the other day, hey, dad, looks like you're getting smaller. <laughs> I'm like, bro, that doesn't happen until I'm like much older than this. All right. You're getting taller. We get it. We get it. You know, but, but I remember when I held him. And I was looking at him and there was no one else in the room. Sarah had left and, and he had just been born. And I remember looking at him, I had tears in my eyes. And, and, and I was looking at him, I was beholding him. I was, I was actually holding him, I was beholding him. And I was, I was looking at him, I thought, man, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And if you've had kids, you've probably had that experience too. And, and you know, I know that there are plenty of babies, but this was mine. And, 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 and I looked at him and I thought, man, he's amazing. You know what holds your gaze? Whatever you think is beautiful. I remember it was the same experience with each one of my kids. You know, I looked at them and they, they were just beautiful. And so I was captivated by it. I was captivated by their beauty. What holds your gaze? What do you look at? What do you stare longingly into? You know, the prophet Isaiah wrote of Jesus, wrote of the Messiah a long time before Jesus was born. It was a prophecy and he, and he wrote some things down about Jesus. Listen to this. He said that Jesus had no beauty that we should desire him. Isn't that crazy? That Jesus had no beauty? I, I, I submit to you, there is no one more beautiful than Jesus. And it makes me think that if we could look into Jesus and not find something beautiful, then what we desire is not what's right for us. Then maybe our desires are wrong. How could you look into the person of Jesus and not be captivated by His beauty and captivated by His love and, and moved by His grace and who He is and what He's done and, and why He came? Like, How could you not be captivated by that? The religious people of the day far from being captivated by Jesus's beauty, and, and some were, many were captivated by his beauty, but the religious people, which is the interesting thing in and of itself, they weren't captivated, they were offended by his beauty. They were offended by the affection that other people had for him. They were offended by him. 
And you know, far from being someone that they desired, it was the opposite. They despised him. And do you know why they despised him? Because what was really in their hearts was not for the beauty of God, but it was for other things. And so it became really obvious in the presence of Jesus what they really wanted. It's amazing. That does happen still today. It becomes more obvious as we get into the presence of Jesus what people really want. You know what they wanted? They wanted position. They wanted power. And I needed a third word that started with P, so prominence. How about that? It always comes in three, but it's still true, even if I did have another P word in there. It's still true. They did because Jesus said, these people stand in the marketplace and they offer up loud cries and prayers and they get the accolades of people. They wanted people to look at them and say, "Woo, you are so holy. You're amazing. They want a position. They wanted the best seats at the table. And now here comes the Messiah, God himself wrapped in flesh and they see him and he, for whatever reason, had no beauty that they should desire him. I tell you the truth, their desire desires were wrong. What they wanted wasn't what they, were, what they were supposed to. And this is important because desire drives everything. Desire drives everything. If you just take a step back from your life and survey it and look at what you've got in your life right now, whatever you have is in large part due to the fact that at some point you desired it. And now you're living in whatever that looks like, but you desired it. And, and what I'm saying to you is what you behold, eventually you become in some way. What you behold, you become. I'll show you what I mean. When I met Sarah, I was captivated by her and I beheld her. So I became her husband because I was transformed. Firstly, I, we were two single people. We met and then I became her boyfriend and then I became her fiance and then I became her husband. And in due course and in due time, uh, we decided that we were going to have children and I became their father. And I, I know that biologically, lots of people can just become a father, but I became a loving, committed, completely entrenched, driving my kids to Saturday sport all day, father, because I love them. And because I behold them, I, it's, it's changing me. I, I look at them, I love them, it, it changes me. I remember when I you know, had this encounter with God in my life and it transformed me from the inside out. Ultimately, at some point, I became a pastor. Why? Because I looked longingly and lovingly into God and had not only love for Him, but love for His church. And that transformed me, that changed me. And what I'm saying is when we look longingly into things that we love and we only look at the things that we truly find beautiful, that will transform us from the inside out. Do you get me? You understand? All right. How about this? I'm going to show you something right now. This is an NBA singlet and it's belonging to a basketball player by the name of Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. He, he, he's amazing and I, I, I want to show you something but I've got to put this on first so just give me one sec. All right, now here it is. I'm wearing it. I'm wearing it. Um, I bear his name. <laughs> but not one person here just went, oh my gosh, it's Steph, Steph Curry. <laughs> no, no one. We do it. There are a few differences between Steph and, and, and myself. Um, 
that's enough, Zach. We don't need to hear that. <laughs> yes, there are a few things. But, uh, but I'm, I'm wearing it. Now, I, if you see me wearing this singlet, you could walk past somebody and you see them and instantly you know what they behold. Why? Because you see me wearing this and you're like, there must be something about that player. Even if you didn't know who he was, you, you look at him and say, well, that must be someone that you look up to, someone that you think is incredible. And, and here's the thing. They say of Steph Curry that he has changed the game. He sells more basketball singlets than anyone else. You know why? Because there are so many people that look up to him and they want to be like him. Now, I watch my kids play basketball on a Saturday morning, right? And I'm watching kids try to do moves that only Steph Curry can do. And I'm, I promise you, they can't do it. And, and this is only going to mean a small amount to something. But I'm like, kids, enough with the floaters. Just do a layup and use the backboard, all right? If you do that, you will meet with more success. I know that not everyone understood what I just said, but some of you do, and that's enough for me. So I can bear his name and I'm not Steph Curry, but you know something, you know what I'm going for. You know what I think, you know what I think is good or, or who I might look up to. And I feel like it's the same sort of a thing when it comes to our relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. What are you going for? What are you going for? Because what you really want will eventually win. So what are you really going for? And the answer I'll tell you what it is. The answer is whatever you give your focus and your time to. That's what you're currently going for. Whatever you give your focus and your time to. So people can become something without even trying. Did you know that? Some people are becoming workaholics. Now, I've never met a kid and if you interview kids and say to them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one says, well, I just really wanted to be a workaholic. I just thought that's, that's it for me. No one says that, but they still become them. Why do they become them? Because they get so wrapped up in their work. So people often become what's really important to them. They become what they behold. It's transformational in some way. Every now and then I'll listen to one of my kids. One of my kids likes YouTube more than the others. And... She watches YouTubers. <laughs> and uh, every now and then she'll say something and I'll say, you sound like that YouTuber I just heard. Like just the language, just the way that she speaks. There's like a rhythm to it or something. I'm like, mm, something's happening, right? Now, why is that happening to her? Because she's looking into it. She's, she's watching it and it's transforming her. Okay, yeah. you, you, you get that? Yeah. All right, now here's the good part. What the Apostle Paul just said, and this is the good part, is that if you look longingly and lovingly into the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ, you'll become transformed to be more like Him. Isn't that amazing? So now you know how to do it. And there'd be people out there that are saying, oh, I want to become like Jesus, right? Well, I might want to become like Steph Curry. It's never going to happen, but at least you know what I'm going for. If you look longingly into the person of Jesus Christ, right, you, might, you can wear what he puts on you. And before you think it's unbiblical, remember what justification is all about. It's that he took all of our sin and he clothes us in his righteousness. So if you wear that and you talk about Jesus and you look lovingly into him, eventually you know what will happen to you? You'll become transformed and you'll start to just be like him. It will happen to you. You won't be the same again. You know, the word Christian, it actually means little Christ. So what are we trying to do? 
We're trying to be like Jesus. We're not going to be Him. We, we can put it on the single. We're not going to be like Him, but, but at least people will know what we're going for when we say, hey, we're Christians. We're going after the person of Jesus Christ. So the way I see it, see it is that when you spend time with God, it becomes an opportunity for transformation. So some people might look at time with God and see it as obligation. I tell you that it is an opportunity for transformation. Transformation for what? Well, Paul said it, from one degree of glory to another. The word glory, doxa, means your condition or state. And what that actually means when it speaks of glory is that something is shining brightly. Something is shining from you, emanating, right? And the thing that shines and emanates from you when you spend time in the presence of God is not you, it's Him. And that's why Paul speaks about Moses. He says, Moses spent time in the presence of God and his face began to shine. What would happen to us if we spent time in the presence of Jesus, who with a face unveiled, we can fully see and discover and know exactly who he is. What would happen to us? Oh, oh, we would be transformed to, be, to become more like him. Does that make sense? But here's the crux of the whole thing. You won't spend time in his presence unless you consider him to be beautiful or you want transformation, you won't do it. And that happens all the time. People feel like sometimes it's just an obligation, but I tell you the truth, to those who wanna be transformed, they want to be in his presence. Not everyone wants to be in his presence. Sometimes what happens is, is they feel like they should be in his presence. Like we're ticking some religious box or, you know, the pastor says, hey, spend time in the presence of God. You're like, yeah, you always say that. I expect you to say that. You're the pastor. Or, or you know, your small group leader says, spend time in the presence of God. Yeah, come on. I know you say that because you have to say that, right? And, you, you know, your mom says, hey, come on, spend, where's your, you spend your God time. You're like, mom, yeah. And if you always push it away and say, oh, I know I have to. I know I'm supposed to. I tell you, the transformation that you're looking for is not going to come. But there are those of us that are in here to today that say, no, 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 it's not about have to. I want to spend time with God. I want to be in His presence. And if you get into the presence of God with that heart and that attitude, you will become transformed. You always make provision in your life for what you love. We, we devote our time, our talents and our treasure to it. If you're serious about it, you'll make time for it. I remember years ago, before we had Judah, there was this thing that was around at the time called the plasma bonus. It wasn't meant to be the plasma bonus, it was a baby bonus, and believe it or not, but the government was paying people to make children. And so they said, we will give you like $3,000 if you have a child. And everyone just called it the plasma bonus because that's what they bought with that money. <laughs> and I knew, I, I knew, after having a, a child that that might be my only time to get a plasma. They, they look expensive at a distance. And I thought, children, I mean. And I thought, well, <laughs> I thought, if I'm ever going to get my hands on a plasma, it's going to be now. So I said, sure, we can have a children, but I'm getting a plasma TV. And Sarah said, very well. So here we go. We got both. And uh, when I got the TV, I thought, well, you know what? Let's go the whole hog. If I'm ever going to pull the lever and get what I can, let's go for something else. I said, I want an Xbox too. And we got it. Now, I'll tell you something. The, the truth about me, I'm not a gamer. I've tried. You know, at the start of COVID, 
I went and bought an Xbox One for my kids, and I thought, I reckon I can get into this. I can't. I'm, I'm just bored with it, you know? And, and they love it, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not a gamer. But when I bought that Xbox 360, it's like 2009, it came with a free game called Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and I don't know what happened to me, but I loved that game. <laughs> and I remember one night, Sarah said to me, she goes, well, I'm going to bed. And I said, I'll be there in a second. <laughs> and I kept playing. And I don't know what happened, but as the sun began to rise, <laughs> I thought to myself, I reckon I've been doing this for about, I don't know, nine hours straight or something like that. I've been playing this game because I just had to win, right? And I was so committed. And the thing is, is that even though I was devoting all of that time to it, it didn't feel like it was taxing. I was surprised when the sun came up because time went like that. Now, that's probably the last video game I, I, I really played. But I could tell you that, and this is true, when I spend time in God's presence, it feels just like that. And I'm not saying that as some kind of flex where I say, wow, I'm really holy. No, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I actually love being in the presence of God. And when I spend time in His presence, I do get swept up. I do get caught you know, up in the, in the experience and, and, and just that time. And I'm telling you, like, hours can actually go by. And I, I never want to be the kind of person that's putting Jesus on the clock and saying, you got five minutes, you better show up. You know, I don't want to do that, right? I love waiting for Him. I love waiting on Him. I just want to be in His presence. And I'm not saying that because that's what pastors get. I'm saying that whatever that is, it's available to every single person in this room if you have a desire to spend time with your Saviour. If you really want to spend that time with him, I tell you, he'll do the same thing for you. This is the thing that really gets me. I love spending time in the presence of God, but here's the amazing part. He loves it too. He loves it too. And I think it's worth mentioning because I'd say there'd be a lot of people that would try to spend time with God and then say, God, where are you? And just sort of wonder like you're striving or stretching or reaching. No, no, no. Listen. God wants to spend time with you. He is hungry to get into your presence. So it's not just you going to Him, it's Him coming to you and He wants to be in your life. Well, come on, Pastor Ben. How hungry is He to be in that prayer time? How much does He want to be in our presence? Oh, enough to die for it. Enough to die for it. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, was buried and rose again. And all of that so that we could come into the presence of God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know what happened? When He died, there was a veil that separated the presence of God from everyone in the temple. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And so they had a very thick, heavy veil that there is no way that you could tear that with your own hands. And yet when Jesus died, the veil was torn apart and it was like God was putting everyone on notice. He says, I want to be in your life. I want you to have access to my presence. And that is just as true today as it was 2000 years ago. You have access to the presence of God. He wants to be in your life. How much? Enough to give His life up for it. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What's the truth? 
It's a person. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. You want to get into the presence of God? You go through the person of Jesus Christ. That's how you gain access to the very presence of God. God is not an obligation. And it's sad when sometimes He's made to feel that way. Well, I guess I better spend my time today and tick that box. He's not an obligation. God is beautiful. And I feel like sometimes we just need to replace that, that, that sense of God's disapproval when we don't spend the time with Him and replace that with the idea that He is, he is excited to spend time with you. He loves it when you spend time with Him. He, he's opened up and created every opportunity for you to spend time with Him. And you know what I think? I, I think that's beautiful. But sometimes what can happen is that you can take it for granted. The things that I'm talking about become routine. What I'm saying is that sometimes God can become overly familiar. Oh yeah, well, He's always there. He's always there. And if you know He's always there, then maybe you're so familiar with the fact that He's always there that you don't ever bother to stop and take time out to actually connect with Him. Oh, it's easy to happen. Oh, it's easy to happen. The rhythm of church. Just get in the routine. Yep, we went today. Yep, had that time. Yep, read that scripture. Yep, did it. But there's a familiarity that's happening in there that is losing the beauty of connecting with God. You don't want to lose the beauty of connecting with God. You don't want God to become too familiar to the point where it, it loses that, the beauty and sense of connecting with Him. Wow. I've been married to Sarah for 18 years. Guys, 18 years. She's just, I see her every day. <laughs> every day, you know. So, you know, how special could that be? Well, firstly, how bad would it be if you treated your spouse like that? Where you became so familiar with your spouse that you, you forgot how beautiful they are. But it happens. It happens all the time. That's never anybody's intention when they stand at the altar and say, I commit to you for the rest of my life. I've never, I've done so many weddings. And I've never seen someone say, I will commit until this becomes familiar. And after that, you're on your own. Like I've never, it's just never been said. The intention is, this is special, this is beautiful, oh, oh, let's, let's have this forever, yeah. Well, if you want to have it forever, you've got to take time out, don't you? And one of the things that, you know, uh, Sarah and I do is, because we have amazing parents, and I must say that to continue the deal that's in place, but they are amazing, they take the kids every Tuesday night. And because they do that, every Tuesday night, we have a date night. And I'll tell you something about going on a date with your spouse is it's very different to vegging out in front of the TV because when you sit from across from each other and you put away the devices, you actually have to communicate and you do talk and you have a very different conversation than if you were just sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. When are the kids going to bed? You know, it's like it's a completely different type of conversation. But we do that. And when we go out, I'll tell you, there's a cost attached to that. There is a cost. Um, 
meals are expensive, you know, like yeah, everything's going up, but, but there is a cost attached. But we, we, we go out, we, we pay for dinner and we have that moment. Sometimes if we're feeling really flush, we'll go to the movies, you know, and, and so, but the movies are expensive. But you know what? We love to take this time out and just sit and talk and relax together. Now there's a cost attached to that, but it's a cost that we're happy to pay because we love each other and we want the, that relationship to go deeper. Well, come on now. You see where this is going, don't you? There is a cost attached to your relationship with God too. What does that cost look like? Well, maybe this, maybe the cost attached to deepening your relationship with God and getting into His presence is, you got to get up early in the morning. There was not a lot of support there like, all right, I get you. I see it. Well, maybe the reason you don't want to get up early in the morning is because you're staying up late. So maybe the reason that you're staying up late is like, you're like, the, the kids are up, you get them into bed and you're like, finally, we can just relax and you stay up extra late, later than you wanted to. I'm projecting now, it's okay. So, so you stay up later than you wanted to, right? And then you're tired. So, so what am I saying? Well, maybe the cost to having a deeper relationship with God is instead of vegging out on Netflix or something, you just turn the TV off and say, hey, let's have that God time. Oh, I know it's a great cost, but if you want to spend time in the presence of God and you can't wake up early, guys, what are you going to do? You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to find some way to connect with God. What, what about this? What if the cost to going deeper and having more intimacy with God and being so immersed in His presence that what He wants for you and what you want for you becomes so merged? What if the cost of that was not eating? Would you be willing to do that? Because plenty of people do. It's called fasting. And every major biblical character in the Bible fasted. What fasting is where you go without food for a designated period of time to draw closer into the presence of God. Now, I just said that, and there may be some people saying, mate, you're a charismaniac. That's insane. Like going without food, I can't make it past breakfast, you know? And, and I get that, but there would be people that are in this room right now that are so hungry for the presence of God that this is an easy decision. This is an easy decision. I want more from God in my next season. I want more intimacy with God than I do for my next meal. So, so I guess that's what I'm going to do. You know, at this church, one of the things that we do is we do fasting three times a year. And historically what we do, we, we fast from Monday to Friday. We break the fast on a Friday morning and all have breakfast together. And I think that that's great. But we just thought this year, why don't we mix that up a little bit? Rather than having it being five days in a row where you you start and stop just three times a year, what we're encouraging and, and challenging you to do is to fast one day a week. Go on, why don't you do it? Just one day a week. And if that sounds too extreme for you, skip a meal, fast a meal, but don't just not eat, like spend time in God's presence. You'll go from one to two and you'll realize a day is easy. Do you know if you fast right now, starting this week until the end of the year, you'll fast 45 days. And that is three times longer than the fast we were doing when we were doing it three times a year. What I like about it is that once a week, you'll be reminded to draw near to the presence of God and what became an event becomes a lifestyle. And so what, how, how is that? Like once a week, you just stop and you, and you fast and you pray and you seek the presence of God. And so sometimes what people say to me is they say, hey, listen, I, I work on the tools. You know, I, I can't, I, I have to eat every day. Yeah, 
well, you can do a day a week. You're not going to lose any strength or anything after a day. You, you can do a day. You can do a day. Unless you've got a serious medical condition, and maybe that's true. Okay, fine. We can talk about that. <laughs> but if you're just an average human being like me, you can do it. And it might sound wild, it might sound crazy, but there would be people here today that want to behold God in such a profound way that there's a... Have you ever found a growing dissatisfaction for the level of spirituality in your life? Have you ever felt like you've just come to a place where you go, I don't know how to go deeper with God. I might do this. You do one day, maybe you go to two. Maybe you go to three. Maybe you just don't stop. I mean, you'll have to eat eventually, but you just keep going until you have that encounter with God. Let me ask you this. Do you really want to be transformed? Do you really want to be transformed? Because you can be. You can. What the Apostle Paul said was open to everyone. Jesus has been transforming people for thousands of years. In fact, there's a story about Peter. And I want to read this scripture to you. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, Peter was a fisherman. That was his trade. And they saw something in him. And so when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were what? Uneducated, common men. And they were astonished because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Did you see that? Because they look longingly, lovingly, beholding the beauty of who Jesus was, they were transformed by Him. And it didn't matter what their vocation was. They were common, uneducated. They did a trade. And you know what? They were transformed by the power of God. I'll tell you the background to this story. Jesus had healed a crippled man. And they said, how is this happening? Oh, I'll tell you how. They spent time in the presence of Jesus and they were transformed by Him. And so there are sometimes things that we want to see in our life, right? Do you want those things? Well, you get into His presence and you'll be transformed by Him. And what was impossible can become probable when you're transformed by the power of God. Can we do something? Just close your eyes for one minute. If you're, if you're in this room right now and you don't know who Jesus is, maybe you came today because there's a baptism. And I'm talking about being transformed from the inside out by beholding Jesus. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sins. He's the only one that can lead you into the presence of God. And if you were here in this room today and you say, I don't know Him. But as you began to speak about Him, there was something in me that wanted what you were talking about. I don't want to be the same. And if you were to ask me honestly, I I do have sin in my life. I have made mistakes, right? I didn't know that I could come into the presence of God. But I'll tell you right now, if you want to know the God that I'm talking about, all you need to do is say, God, I want to know you. 
and I'm choosing you over everything else. I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, but in this room right now, you hear what I'm saying and you say, I want to know Him. It would be such an honor to lead you in that prayer. It's a really simple prayer, but it means everything. You're here today. You've not given your life to Jesus. Just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I want to make a decision to follow Him. Awesome. Amen. Is there anyone else that says, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus? If you don't know Him, you can have access to the presence of God right now in this place. If you don't know Him, just say yes to Jesus. You can do this if you're watching online. You can just pray along with us as well. But if you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus, just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I'll see you and we'll pray together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank You that You love me, that You died on the cross for my sin. I receive You today as my Lord and Saviour. And I choose to follow you every day for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and gave God some praise. Come on, that's awesome. You know, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, people can see it because you don't stay the same. You're changed. You are different. I remember some time ago, I had a tradie come to my house and I do try to lead every tradie that I can to Jesus. I figure they're a captive audience. I'm paying them at the end, so it's okay. So they, anyway, they're hanging around my house and, and I'll just talk to them wherever I can. And this guy came over one day. And I thought, man, I'm going to lead this guy to Jesus. So I started speaking to him and man, it was really easy to speak to him. And I thought, man, this guy is really, he just seems really open. Like he, this guy wants to talk. I thought, God, you, you're making it easy. I started to talk to him and, and, and we started to talk about spiritual things. And it's like, man, he, guys, he wanted to talk about spiritual things. We started to go deeper into our conversation, turn to spiritual things, start to talk about God. He's like, man, this guy wanted to talk about God. I thought, God, you have set this up. This is awesome. And we continued to talk about God. And then we started to talk, to be, talk about Jesus. And I started to look at this guy and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I know what's going on here. He's leading me to Jesus. That's what's going on. This guy is leading me to Jesus, right? And we had this moment where I looked at him and he looked at me and we were like, are you a Christian? And he's like, I am. And I was like, I knew I saw Jesus in you. He's like, I knew I saw Him in you. We saw Jesus in each other. So I couldn't lead Him to Jesus because you only need to do that once. But, but here's the thing. I recognize Him and I recognize Jesus in Him. He recognized Jesus in me because when you, when you love the Lord, it's obvious. When you bear His name, it's obvious. We will never be Jesus, but it makes it obvious what we're going for when we talk about Him, when we behold Him, when we look lovingly into Him, when we tell people who He is, it just becomes so much more obvious to people. When you behold Jesus, it has this transformational effect on your body. For some people, it makes them bold. Peter got bold just by spending time in the presence of God. He asked for the presence of the Spirit of God to make him bold. For some people, they, they become more confident. You know, it's like there's this transformation that happens in them. And, and instead of being subject to the opinions that other people could have about them, they say, I know I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. It doesn't matter what anyone says about me. I know who I am. And it starts to transform them from the inside out. There's a transformational effect. But can I just tell you, here's, here's the whole point. Even though we might go for those things, boldness, and, and maybe it's really great to, to become secure and not be an insecure person. Maybe you do become more loving. Maybe you do become more caring. All of those things are great, but that's, 
That's, that's not the prize of spending time with Jesus. That's the effect. No, the prize of spending time in Jesus' presence is Him. He's the prize. It's Him. He's what we want. He's what we go for. He's who we love. The other stuff will happen. Sure, that's great, but, but that's not what it's about. It's about actually going after Him, simply being with Him. It looks different for different people. For me, the best time that I have is a chair outside with a cup of coffee and my Bible. That's it. That's all I need. Maybe some music. doesn't always need to be there, though. But if I just sit in that space, I can lose hours in that space. And I'll make you a promise here today, guys. God will show up to 100% of the meetings that you invite Him to. And He shows no partiality. He doesn't look at me and say, oh, well, you're a pastor, so I'll spend more time with you. No, 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 no. He doesn't care about your title. He doesn't care about your financial position. You may, be feeling, you may be feeling flush today. You may be feeling dirt poor. It doesn't matter whoever you are. He wants to spend time in your presence and it doesn't matter what it says on your business card and it doesn't matter what your portfolio is. He loves you and wants to spend time with you. And I'll just tell you one more scripture. Psalm 37 verse four says this, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll grant you the desires of your heart. Do you know why? Because when you delight yourself in in Him, all you want is Him, and He is more than ready to be with you. Isn't that beautiful? I want to pray for people that want to go deeper into the presence of God. Would you stand? Would you stand if you want to go deeper into the presence of God? Father, I just pray for every single person. Come on, raise your hands right now if, you, if I'm praying for you. Father, I just pray for every single person that's here today that says, God, there is a dissatisfaction with the level of spirituality that I have. I do want to come closer into your presence. And I pray that for everybody that stands here today and says, I'm hungry, I want more. For anybody that's even watching online or listening to this, it doesn't even matter when you hear it, but wherever you are, if you're saying, I want more than what I currently have. I want to encounter your presence, God. And it's not for what I can get out of you, but I just want the prize, which is you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and move on their heart? Begin to open up their eyes, open up their heart. Jesus, I pray you'd pour out into their worship experience. I pray that you'd, you'd meet them in their prayer time. I pray you'd, you'd meet them in their worship time. I pray you'd meet them at work and you'd meet them at home. And God, I pray the Lord, as they start to sense your hunger for their presence, I pray God that they respond by giving their time to You, giving their focus to You, giving their energy to You. And I pray for every single one that's here today, that Lord, as they behold You, I pray that they become more like You. Transform them from the inside out. And I pray it in the mighty Name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.